thank you for your Andre and Anita and the children, Lord. Clara and baby. <laughs> we ask you, Lord, to have your hand upon them, to give them wisdom beyond their years, to give them revelation beyond their years. Lord, mm. to use them mightily in the life of this congregation and other places they find themselves. Mm. And I thank you for that in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can, can you hear me? Good morning, guys. So, um, have a lack of Sunday further. I don't know how I can top that. Um, no, I'm joking. I actually, I'm quite nervous this morning. And I, I'm a teacher. I'm used to speaking in front of people. And I, I don't really get that nervous, but I'm quite nervous. And I know now why. Because I prepared my preach on Tuesday. I've written it out. And then Wednesday night with the gathering... Um, what's his what's the guy's name? Brad, uh, Brad, Brad Verain. He preached basically what I was going to say. And then with all of the words of Andre and, and Karen, Karen speaking out of Romans, it was just like, Lord, now I understand. So I do believe, I do believe that this is a word from the Lord this morning. Um, before I start, I just want to put in a disclaimer. And that is that I won't be making as much sound effects as Roland did last week. <laughs> I felt for the lady that had to edit that preach, Roland. <laughs> that was good. All right. So this morning, um, let me just see. I've written out the whole introduction, but I'm going to skip this. Um, yes. Okay. So this morning, I would like to preach about or, or share a message about, and the title of my message, for those of you who like to write down, would be, um, so what happened to you, or just what happened to you. So uh, maybe before we start, maybe, maybe I can start to, to pray. Now, Father God, I thank you for the opportunity to share your word this morning, and I pray, Lord, that, that you would really come speak through me, Father God, and I pray that the words that come from you, that it will fall on fertile soil, Father God, and that you would nurture it in the week to come, that you would give it spiritual water, and that it will grow seeds in us, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I am, a, like I said, I'm a, I'm a teacher, but also I'm a student. I study theology, and um, the one of the subjects that, we, that I study at the moment is the book of Romans. So obviously I'm going to preach out of the book of Romans. Um, and the, the scripture that I have for this morning, I have plenty of scriptures, but the first one is Romans 6, verse 3 to 10. All right. Do you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we, might, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in, the, in a death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this. 
We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin for one who has died has been set free from sin now if we have died with Christ we believe that we would also live with him we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again death no longer has dominion over him for the death he died he died to sin once for all but the life he lives he lives to God so if you are a proper theologian you would start to count certain words and the two words that jumped up here was the word death or died and the other one would be baptism and I've connected the word united with the word baptism and I'll show you just now why so the word death in that passage that I just um, read to you came um, the, the word death or die is there 12 times so if you count the words 12 times and the word baptism or united is five times so this is maybe just something a practical thing that you can do if you read some of Paul's letters or some of his, um, his, his messages count the words and then you get a feel for what the theme is Aina. there's a plug there <laughs> no worries all right so um, if, if you count the words you can get a like a um, <laughs> you can get the message um, of the theme of the message that he that he wants to bring about so when I look at that scripture there's two words like I said that jumped up the first one is death Jesus has died for us and the second one is we are baptized into Jesus and I'll unpack what that means so the first thing why did Jesus have to die for us all right some of us know this but maybe this is new to you in the old times in uh, in the Old Testament with the the, the tribe of, of Israel or the the people of Israel we see that oh, let me start here so when we look at in the Old Testament the presence of the Lord was always external all right now Jesus died on the cross the veil is torn we have the presence of the Lord lives in us but before Jesus died on the cross the presence of the Lord was always exter uh, external it was on the mountain or it was in the tent of meeting or it was in the um, the most holy place right and for for any people any person to go there you had to sacrifice something so you had to sacrifice an animal for your sins or once a year there was the feast of atonement I think it was called and um, and so that was uh, that, that occurred so that people could be right with God because God is holy and magnificent and humanity is sinful all right we have sinful tendencies I look at my young sweet little girl that is beautiful in church at home you can see she is sinful right she's born in sin all right so I'm, I'm sharing that because that is who we are all right she she has a thing where she runs away I don't know why does all children do that she runs away just for the fun of it if you want to brush her teeth she runs away if you want to comb her hair she runs away um, so we, we anyway so God is holy and we are sinful and because God is a righteous judge somebody needs to be punished or we need we need to be punished for our sin in order to be made right so therefore and this is actually a great act of mercy some people can look at this and say oh why the poor animals had to die all the time 
it's actually a great act of mercy because we need to die. We deserve the death. But Jesus, out of his mercy, said, put your sin on an animal and kill it. And then you will be made right with me. So in the New Testament, Jesus came. And Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice. In Hebrews 7, 27, he says, He has no need, speaking of Jesus, he has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily. First for his own sins and then for, the, for those of the people. Since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. Hebrews 10 verse 1. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come. Not the good things themselves. The sacrifice under the systems were repeated again and again year after year. But they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. Hebrews 10.5 says, Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. And that body speaks about the body that Jesus Christ had. Hebrews, the last one, Hebrews 10 verse 10 says, And by that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So Jesus became the sacrifice. Jesus died for us when he was nailed to that cross. It was as if we were nailed to him on that cross. And by that, by the fact that he died, he became our, what's the theological word? perpetuation of sin he took sin in our place so therefore we are justified by God we are made right by Jesus justified means we are in right standing before God and because Jesus Christ did that we can worship openly we don't have to first slaughter animal in front imagine how that would have looked Roland like a well, maybe it will be nice like a spit bride there you can and before you can come in no we don't have to do that because Jesus did it for us once and for all and we never have to do that again if we accept if we believe and we accept that Jesus is our Lord we are being made right we are justified before before God so that is the first word that jumped out of that passage of Scripture that the, the second word um, Romans three, uh, 6 verse 3 and 4 says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ were raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk. And that word there, newness of life, is the, is the emphasis because Jesus died on the cross, yes, He was our ultimate sacrifice. That's justification. But on the third day we know Jesus raised, uh, God raised Jesus from, from, the, from the grave. So we too may or should walk in newness of life. So from there we get the picture of water baptism. Water baptism is getting into, normally in winter, they say real Christians get baptized in winter. <laughs> not in a warm pool Roland I cheated I, I was baptized in a church with like a warm water so it was but it was so so baptism is a picture of us dying with Christ as you go under the water you die and as you get up you are a new person you are raised from the dead 
So the more sin the person has, the longer you have to keep him under the water. No, that's a, that's a joke. That's a joke. All right, so you, can, you put the person under water and you bring him up. And that symbolizes the, 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 um, the resurrection of Christ. But it also symbolizes the fact that we are now a new person. And that's the great thing. Many people say, yes, I believe Jesus died for my sin. But they carry on living as if um, they don't believe it, as if they just were like before. So, in, in the conclusion of my question, what happened to you is, yes, first of all, we are made right with God. Second of all, we are called to live as new people. We are transferred from the old way of living, our bondage under sin, our reign under sin, in the dominion of sin. We are transferred into the reign of Christ and reign of the Spirit. And I've called a, so that you don't have to always believe me, I've called somebody, Vaughan, you can quickly go to the mic. So I've asked Vaughan to share two-minute testimony. You can, yeah? on how this played out for him, how he, yeah, I asked him to answer the question, what happened to you, Vaughn? Yeah, so my entire life in two minutes. <laughs> this is a bit difficult since I'm 41. <laughs> so, um, so my name's Vaughn, um, I lead a com, and um, basically I was asked to, to say what happened to me. And um, before I was saved, I was, uh, needless to say, quite a naughty boy. <laughs> Um, I gave myself to alcohol, porn, swearing, anger, lies, um, violence. Um, I worked in the nightclubs in town. I was a doorman, bouncer, money taker, money collector. Um, that type of stuff I was constantly involved with. And um, I had a, a, very, a great lack of authority, a lack of respect for authority around me. Um, anybody that had authority over me, I had a general issue with it, and I always had to find a way to prove them wrong or just to straightforward not listen to them. Um, I think from that point, uh, my life happened, and it happened a lot to me. Um, while I was working at the clubs, I got a girl pregnant, and I had to get a job so I could get a medical aid to pay for my daughter's birth, and um, ended up working at sea, um, and that was, you can imagine, um, with a bunch of deckhands and sailors and chief engineers and things like that. You can imagine what that taught me moving forward as well. And, um, and then um, I met Justine and the two of us got engaged and she basically nagged me into an Easter camp that, um, that was, I felt like I was in the completely wrong place. But anyway, rocked up there and um, sat down with, in a prick with a pastor that it was like I was the only person in the room when the guy was talking. And I'm seeing the guy and that night, I gave my heart to the Lord and accepted Him as, as Lord and Savior over my life. And um, it, was, it was a powerful encounter with Jesus Christ. And it, it, changed, it, it, it did change me forever. But when I, when I left there, I walked away from that Easter camp and I walked away from my salvation at the same time. Because from that point, I didn't follow anything else. I, I, I knew I'd been saved, but I, I, I was still being controlled by my sin. I was still falling all the time. The sin never went away. I, I kept on tripping, if I can put it that way. And then years later, um, once again, get nagged, kicking and screaming into a church. And 
<laughs> it does work, yeah. And then um, what, happen what happens is that in that environment, I get shown what love is. I get shown um, that Christ in me gives me the strength to overcome my sin. I can't ever overcome it myself. Um, there is no way that I can change my character and my nature. Um, only Christ in me changes that. And once that revelation landed, oh my goodness, Jesus showed me how to love. He showed me how to lead. Um, he showed me how to be a better husband. He showed me how to serve. He showed me why to serve, because that's the thing that a lot of, a lot of oaks don't know. They want to serve, but they don't know why they're going to serve. Um, and, and I'm an ongoing thing. I'm an ongoing movement. Um, so I'm not perfect by any means of the, of the stretch of the imagination, but Christ in me makes me perfect. Thanks, Vaughan. Like I said, and like you heard now, Vaughan was transferred from this situation where he couldn't be able to not do sin. He was unable to not do sin. But then he got transferred into a dominion and into a reign where Jesus Christ is his Lord. And yes, you still sin. But sin doesn't have power over you anymore. You can choose not to sin. You can resist sin. Before that, hey Connie, he can't, but now he can. All right, Romans 8 verse 14 to 15 says, and I'm only going to read verse 15, sorry guys, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. We are adopted into Christ's family. You are a son in the house. And that is the thing that I had to learn in the beginning. I thought of God as this strict father. Can't do this, can't do this, can't do this. But God isn't like that. You are a son in the house. You are allowed to put your feet on the couch. You are allowed to eat in the car. All right? <laughs> Sorry, those were stuff I, I, I couldn't do. My father was very strict. All right. So maybe, and, and I know we did this this morning, but maybe as Vaughn shared and as I shared, maybe you realize that there isn't a difference in your life. Maybe you see it at a camp sometime. Yes, I want to follow Jesus, but there's not a, a, a real difference in your life. I want to urge you, today is the day of salvation. Come afterwards, speak to one of the leaders, Roland, myself, any leader in the church, any, any person, go to that person and, and ask that person to pray with you. But for those of us who recognize that there's a difference, like Vaughn shared, he was this, he was this, he was this, he was this, now he's this person. If you recognize that in your life, I want to give you some good news this morning. You are saved. And if you walk out of that door in a car, uh, hits you and you die that you will go to eternity so that's good news can we get a but like Vaughn shared he still sins and I think Justine can also yeah <laughs> well, uh, nice man alright so you still sin so my next heading in this preach is so what happened to sin and um, like I said, and I don't want to go everything here, um, there's a, in Romans 7, 
there's a, a scripture. Can you, Romans 7, verse 15. Paul is speaking, and after he declared in Romans 6 that I belong to a new dominion, sin doesn't have power over me, he says this. But I don't understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Paul, does that sound familiar? That sure does for me as well. Verse 19 says, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Verse 21 to 24 says, I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sins, to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Now you would think of Paul as this guy that is more anointed than anyone on this planet at the moment. He writes the book of Romans probably, I'm not sure, in the last three or something years of his life while he was uh, in-house, uh, under-house, or he's, oh, he's actually going to, um, to, to um, Rome and he writes before that. That's after he ministered for many years into the west, uh, into the east, and he writes this, per, uh, this letter and he says, oh, what a miserable person I am. <laughs> and that is amazing because, and, and what I've learned is, the more you mature in Christ, the more you grow in Christ, you just realize more and more and more that you are sinful and you are, there's nothing good in you. Um, and at the beginning, I find that the Lord deals with the, the big stuff, the swearing, the addictions, those stuff. Um, and, and then, but as you mature, he starts scratching deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And that is the beautiful thing because, and you must now listen carefully to me, you are not made to be perfect in this life. You will always sin. You will always have temptations. You will always fall. And I'm not giving you permission, or Paul's not giving you permission to sin here, but it is inevitable that you are a miserable person. I am a miserable person. And the more that you grow in Christ, the more you will realize that you are a miserable person. So get over it. Don't see God as a strict judge that wants to do this every time. Yes, He disciplines you, but He disciplines you because He loves you, not because you are bad and you are not worthy of... of, of well, you are, but because of Christ you are not. All right. Romans 6 verse 1 uh, to 2 says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. And that scripture or that phrase there, by no means, is constantly used in Romans and it actually means no a thousand times no. It means when Clara one day asked me, Can I go to this party where there is no adults and where there will be alcohol? I would say, By no means. And that literally means, By no means. That's next what you can say, but my brain, but my gedachtes gaan verander nie. Patty, I don't know how to translate that. <laughs> All right. Romans, um, Romans 6 verse 22 to 23 says, But now that you have been set free from sin, you have become slaves to God. Uh, the fruit that you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the, gift, the free gift of God is eternal life. All right. So like I said, Yes, we will sin, but we have the ability to say no to sin. So I'm going to land with four points. Romans 6 verse 11 to 13 says, So you also must consider yourselves 
dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. Do you present your members to uh, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. So yes, we will sin, but we should do everything by the help of the Spirit possibly to resist sin. And that is the message of this morning. So there's four things that I quickly want to share. And the first one is, uh, or that what I want to, uh, which I want to share is how do we continue from now? How, what are the tools that the Spirit gives us um, to resist sin? So the first one is obviously be connected to the source. I usually joke and I say if I spend, if I have one or two weeks that I don't have quality, um, quiet time, I usually joke and I say I want to buy a caravan then. Because I can't afford a caravan, so when I don't spend time with the Lord, I start making plans to buy a caravan, and that's something that I really don't need at the moment. So, um, so that's just a. I, I, I told Anita, if I start speaking in that direction, rebuke me, say, go, go to the room, go have quiet time. All right. <laughs> All right. It's not that buying a caravan is bad. You understand that? Eh? It's just for me personally. All right. So the only way that we can really resist sin, and Vaughan shared about it, is only by the Spirit, only being connected to the, to the source. The second one is we should change our posture. We should be very aggressive when it comes to sin. If you see sin over there, I, I, I like jogging, all right? I recently had COVID, so I'm in the process of, of getting back to, to, to jogging. But once or twice there come, came a little Jack Russell kid that wants to attack me. So now, let me just put this thing here. So if that Jack Russell kid comes from this direction and you do this, that thing will get confidence and it will just come for you. But if you turn your posture and you go at that thing, I've, I've saw the, the sound that came out of that Jack Russell was like, it was as if I kicked him. I didn't come near him, but he was so scared. So, and that is the thing of, of sin. We must walk like that around, and we must keep our eyes open. And when you see there is sin, be aggressive. Deal with it. Walk with your eyes wide open. Genesis 4 verse 7 says, and that is when, when just before Cain, uh, Cain, how do you say it in English? Cain killed Abel, um, God told him, sin is crouching at your door. Sin is always there. Sin is waiting for the right opportunity to get in. That's why, that's why I say walk with your eyes open. Be aware. The third thing is be aware of the triggers. Times of chaos, times of busyness, loneliness, stress, uh, stress tiredness. This is the opportunities that the enemy waits for. He sits there. He waits for, oh, you have your quiet time. Oh, you have your quiet time. Okay, I'm not going. I'm not going. Oh, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll bring this temptation. Oh, no, you don't fall for it. Okay, maybe this one. All right, I'm waiting. Until that time of chaos, busyness at work, you skip one or two or three quiet times. Now he comes in. Be aware of the triggers. Don't go to the party if you, are, if you have a problem with alcohol. Don't surf the internet endlessly or, or, or social media if you have other sexual addictions. Be aware of the triggers. Be aware of when you are vulnerable. And 
and be aggressive with it. Avoid it at all cost. And then the last one, be accountable. In James 5 verse 16 it says, Confess your sins one to another and pray for one another. And I know to confess your sin is embarrassing. I know, I know, I've done it numerous times. So therefore I've learned to confess my temptations before it becomes a sin. Because it's not embarrassing if I come to Johan and I say, Hey Johan, I was at a party or, or I message him, Johan, I'm at a braai with a friend and there's alcohol and it's being a temptation to me. That's not embarrassing. But it's embarrassing to go afterwards, after I have six beers, to go and say, oh man, I have to repent. I fell. So just, that's, just, that's not a command. That's just something that I do. If I find myself that I'm being tempted, either women, alcohol, anything, I share it. And I'm married. And my wife is mature enough. I go to her and I say, hey, I've been tempted by this. I had a dream or whatever. So before I give my mind even chance to start uh, fantasizing or thinking of what it could have been or whatever, I tell my wife and I share, I confess that temptation. And it's not embarrassing. I can't help what I dream. I can't help what I think. I share it before I start entertaining the thoughts, before I start and eventually maybe sending an SMS or, or visiting or having a coffee or something. So be before it even gets there, I confess my sin. I'll end with this. Let us hate sin the way that Paul hates it. Let us resist it with everything that we have. But the good news is, if you fall, get up and run back to Jesus. Get up and run back to Jesus. So this morning, you can start tuckling there. This morning I want to once again open the, the invitation. If you have no clue on what I shared this morning, if, you, if, if I had to ask you this morning, are you saved? And you can't emphatically say, yes, I am saved. Please consider speaking to somebody after the service. I don't want to expose you now. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or anything. Just in your heart, the Lord will convict you right now. Father, I pray that right now that you will bring conviction, Lord. Lord, such a beautiful thing where you, you kind of, you rip us out of this dominion of sin. Lord, and, and sin, sin is nice. Sin is nice at the beginning. But it, it spirals out of control. And you end up at a very, very, very desperate place, Father God. And I pray right now, Lord, that if there's anyone here, Father God, that you will bring salvation, Lord. That you will bring the conviction in their hearts. That the hearts will race in their throats at the moment. And they know that they know that they have to respond to you, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you call us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. If there's any one of you, please get hold of someone after the service. We'd love to pray with you. We really would. Bible says the angels are celebrating when there's a salvation and we would like to join the angels. And then there's a second group of people that I would like to, to call out this morning. And that is, if you are sitting here and you've realized that you have allowed sin to have too much control of you. Remember, you are removed from the dominion of sin. But our tendency is to go back there. 
if you stop spending time with Jesus, you want to go back to that. That is our default. But you don't have to. So I'm going to ask you to be a bit more, um, put yourself out there. If, if that is you, please raise your hand. If you have in some area allowed sin, and it, it doesn't mean that you've lost your salvation. It doesn't mean that you are now a bad person. It just means that you have allowed sin to grab a hold of you. We would love to release that, release you from that this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Father God, we rejoice in the fact, Jesus, that we don't have to bring sacrifices anymore. We rejoice in the fact that you are, you are the ultimate sacrifice. We rejoice in the fact that we are saved and that you have brought us from the pit of hell, the pit of rain under sin, and you've placed us as your children. We are sons and daughters in your house, Jesus. We can enjoy you. We can enjoy your presence, Father God. Lord, I pray for each one of us that raised our hands this morning. I pray that you would come right now and touch their hearts, that you will bring conviction. I pray that you will bring discipline, because the Bible says you only discipline those who you love. Lord, if we don't get discipline, no discipline is a sign of no love. <laughs> I discipline my daughter because I love her so much, not because I don't like her. So, Father, thank you for your discipline. Pray that you will discipline us right now, Father God. And that you will restore us. Thank you that you are a God of restoration, Lord. Thank you that no matter when we fall and how many times we fall, thank you that there's always, there's always restoration. You always accept us back, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, come, come, and, touch, come and touch our hearts right now. Now, Father, thank you that we can know that we can run back to you. Help us to be aggressive with sin. Help us to resist it at all cost. Help us to help us to be aware, to walk with our eyes wide open in this life. And Father, help us to be accountable to one another. I couldn't have been here where I am today if it weren't for accountability and I know that if I stop being accountable right now it won't end good accountability is key accountability is people around you that just come together and they love you and they help you through this thing father thank you for everything that you have done this morning thank you for the worship thank you for the message thank you for the testimonies Thank you for the salvation, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. If you're not in an accountable relationship, I want you to, I want to ask you, get yourself into a place where you are accountable to someone. Preferably someone that you can trust and you can share your heart with.
that it's not somebody you hold back from. Also, the thing of accountability, we often think it's, I'm going to hold you accountable. I don't believe that's true. We make ourselves accountable. We actually go to the person that we're accountable and say, listen, I've blown it in this area. We don't wait for them to find out about it and then say, come, I want to speak to you. So you make yourself accountable because you know when you've blown it. You know when you need to go forward and make yourself accountable. So while Yohandre was on the thing of baptism, I don't know if there are any of you that need to be baptized. I want to encourage you, if you haven't been baptized, to actually chat to us. Um, chat to Yohandre until it's summer, then you can talk to me. <laughs> it's amazing how people always want to get baptized in winter. We even both were baptized in winter. But in Natal, not in Cape Town. Um, so please do that. Uh, if you know I haven't been baptized, go to, come to one of us and say, listen, I need to be baptized. It doesn't have to be an elder. It doesn't have to be a com leader. It can be your dad. It can be your mom. We have this strange thing where it's got to be the elders. No, it doesn't have to be. Paul actually writes and says, I didn't come to baptize. So I'm with him. <laughs> I want to live his word out. But please, don't rush off this morning. There is tea and coffee at the back. Um, maintain so social distancing. Um, so in other words, stand further than you can spit. <laughs> So you've got to stand and then you've got to spit and then you say, okay, you stand there. My wife just shakes her head. You, you married a wonderful person, babe. He's amazing. We were with some other, another eldership team last night and when we left there, the, the one lady just said, you guys are so honest and so vulnerable. We feel like we, we've known you forever and and that was after we had, we had laughed and joked, and then we had really been pretty hard on them. But uh, for me, you have to build a bridge so that you can put weight on that bridge. And yeah, I, I trust the last three years we've been building with most of the guys Yeah, although the last 18 months has been COVID, which is not lacquer, but still, we love you guys and we pray for you guys. Okay. Tea and coffee at the back. Don't rush off. If you rush off, we're going to catch you at the door. Okay, man the doors. <laughs>